Hi, I'm Lauren, and I'm joined by my friend Charlotte. Hello. And this is Demythifying, the podcast where two best friends talk mythology, go off on tangents, and hope to bring a little bit more forgotten magic to the world. Lauren, we've celebrated your favourite holiday of the year, so this time we're having a little celebration for one of mine. I love the cosy weather, the crisp mornings, hot chocolate, and it's a great excuse for a party and to get dressed up all glittery and twinkly. I mean, hot chocolates with alcohol, hot mead, cosy jumpers, and a Muppet's Christmas Carol. Not much really wrong with this time of year. Oh, so you asked me in the Athena slash Ares episode about why Ares wasn't one of the Olympians when she was a child of Zeus and Hera. And we thought then it could be because she had different potential parentage. Well, I did some research quickly into what makes a god an Olympian or not. And I found a few potential reasons. As you also have Hebe, Hebe, who was the original cupbearer to the gods pre-Ganymede, even though she was a child of Zeus and Hera. And one theory I found suggests the Divine Twelve are gods who have more of an effect on people's lives. And that would explain why Persephone isn't actually an Olympian as well. Even though she's from divine lineage, she doesn't really have an effect on people's lives. Yeah, I think so. Because clearly you don't need to be a legitimate child of Zeus and Hera to be an Olympian. Also, Persephone was seen as a Chthonic god because she was living in the underworld. Like, Hades wasn't actually an official Olympian. Athena, Artemis, Apollo and Hermes are also really old gods. So they were likely to have dated back before the Greek Dark Ages. And you can find evidence of them in Mycenaean writing. So they likely just crossed over. I'm sure the ancient Greeks loved a festival. Not in the Glastonbury sense, but in the sense of celebrations and parties. Although, for sure, Dionysus would have loved Glastonbury. I'm sure he would. He would. He'd have been getting down. <laughs> Can you imagine him with some like glitter and some day glow paint and just, yeah, off his Yeah, tits. I'm thinking oh. the like, neon paint all on his face in the mud. Oh, yeah. He'd have been, he'd have been in his element, I think. <laughs> But the harvest was a big time for most ancient cultures. And for the ancient Greeks, this was the time of year where Persephone would go back to the underworld and the seasons changed. Thalassia was a festival of Demeter held in the autumn in Cos, and it was a smaller scale festival that was probably held in homes and farms. And fruit was probably given as an offering. So do you think this one, this festival, is almost like um, the equivalent of our Thanksgiving now? It kind of kicks off the festival season, really. It's more autumnal than Christmas. I would say possibly, yes. And there's another festival as well that honoured Demeter and Persephone as well around the same time. Thesmophoria. Now, this was probably held on the 23rd to the 25th of August. Each of the three days had its own name. Day one was going up, which represented and referred to the journey that these women would take to the temple of Demeter, Thesmophorus. Thesmophorus. Day two was fasting, which is kind of self-explanatory. But yes, they sat and fasted on day two. And day three was called Fair Offspring. Now, details of the rites of day three were generally kept secret. It's likely that the festival was to give thanks for fertility, possibly either their own or of the fertility of the earth. 
Apparently, the festival involved insults and obscenities among the women and the eating of cakes in the shape of phalluses and vulvas. Now, this is giving me Hindu vibes, honestly. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> Stick on some, like, penis, like, head dealy boppers and literally we've got ourselves a Hindu there. And a sash. There has to be a sash. <laughs> this was also an occasion of gathering decaying and decomposing materials that could be used for fertilising crops in the spring. Now, while the ancient Greeks obviously didn't celebrate Christmas, they did indeed have their own festivities in the month of December. The most important was a celebration of Dionysus. Every December 30th, the ancient Greeks celebrated the rebirth of their god of wine, festivities, fertility and frenzy. There are two versions for the origin of Dionysus. In both versions, he is born the son of Zeus and a mortal woman. The first version says his mother is Semele. The second says his mother is described as Persephone. Also in both stories, he is given two chances at birth. The first story with Semele asking if she could see Zeus as his true self, then dying as mortals couldn't cope with seeing gods in their true form, has Zeus taking the baby and placing it in his thigh for the remainder of the gestation period. In the second version, Hera was jealous, Kel surprise, of Zeus and Persephone's relationship. She enlisted the Titans to rip the newborn to shreds. As they attempted to do so, Zeus fought them off, although they had already destroyed mo- most of the baby, except for his heart, which had been saved by a goddess. I couldn't find the name of the goddess, or indeed how then Dionysus was reborn, but in both versions of this origin story, he was destined not to make it, and he was saved, he survived. His rebirth would then become the reason for the annual celebrations for years to come. His birth was related to the winter sun, but they also celebrate him in the spring with theatrical performances and processions. And we'll probably likely talk about that later on when it comes to spring. Another festival at this time was Cronia. Cronia was actually celebrated during the summer, but and we will delve deeper next year as we discuss the Romans, it influenced the Roman festival Saturnalia heavily, which was around December time. Cronia honoured Kronos as he was the father of the harvest, which is why it's celebrated in summer, and the Roman celebration coincided with the winter sowing season. During a one-day celebration of Cronia, people would decorate their homes, and it was also celebrated by slaves who would sit at their master's table on this day. Dionysus was a god of wine, so therefore would be celebrated for the cultivation of vines and grape harvest, and the winter celebrations would include wine drinking, bread sharing, offerings of fruit, singing and dancing, which you can see to this day we still incorporate in our own festivities. It is generally accepted that Christians incorporated or took over current winter festivals in the areas that they were in. The first comparison to Christianity is that Dionysus was considered born of a virgin, just as Jesus Christ was considered to be born of the Virgin Mary. Both figures were said to have been born of a mortal mother and a divine father, and both were also reborn or, in the case of Jesus, resurrected. Also, both figures were associated with wine. Dionysus was the god of wine, as we keep mentioning, but also Jesus turned water into wine in the gospel. 
From what I've read, the roots of Christmas carols are in ancient Greece too, specifically Homer. So apparently when he, so we're going to assume for this story that he is one person, he stayed on Samos and he composed these carols with the children that lived on the island. In ancient Greece, the carols symbolised joy, wealth and peace and they would be sung in the homes of the rich. The idea being that the children would go from house to house holding either an olive branch or a laurel branch, which they adorned with wool, which was a sign of health and beauty, and with different fruits. Then the children would hang this in their homes for the rest of the year. There's a festival that took place in October for Apollo called the Pianopsia, probably pronounced wrong. And an olive branch hung with wool and decorated with fruit was offered at Apollo's temple. There's a festival that took place in October for Apollo called the Pianopisa. And an olive branch hung with wool and decorated with fruit was offered at Apollo's temple. Troops of boys also carried them through the street and they were then displayed at private homes. And I do feel like there's a connection there as well, mm. possibly. I've also read that like Santa has a sleigh pulled by reindeer that flies with Christmas magic. I don't understand the, the magic of Father Christmas. But Dionysus also had a flying chariot that was pulled by exotic animals. Only he had alcohol instead of presents. Oh, wait. So you believe, well, not believe, but you can get down with Helios having a chariot taking him across the sky, but you can't get down with Father Christmas having magic to ride his reindeer sleigh. But didn't, but Helios was magic. Are we assuming that it's Christmas magic with Santa as well? Because they're not flying reindeer. Well, they are, aren't they? They have wings. They're levitating reindeer. <laughs> this this is my question. This is my question. <laughs> I mean, I just presume they are flying reindeer because otherwise how would they get across the across the sky? Christmas magic. I don't know. <laughs> Christmas goats. I have no idea. <laughs> Mistletoe features in lots of different mythologies, including Celtic and Norse. And it was also used by Aeneas to reach the underworld. Peter Haining, who wrote a book about superstitions, claims that mistletoe was revered by the ancient Greeks as sacred. Apparently, though, it at some point offended the old gods, so it was cursed to hang and watch while pretty girls were kissed. Charlotte, who would be your number one fantasy under the mistletoe kiss? Like, right, right now, now? Probably Jack Grealish. I think he's cute. I know oh. you don't like him, but that's a shout out to Amber as well. I don't he get it. kiss her under the mistletoe too. <laughs> well he would he would not be kissing me under the mistletoe that's for sure who would yours be i have a list of five that is this is completely out of friends where you know like it's like oh you can have five on your whole oh, hang on. you said right now it, though except you i haven't laminated right now. it i mean we're not talking about my all right now time. oh right now well right now i'll take any of them um my well my all-time favorite um future husband although he doesn't know is the singer from placebo Brian Marco, so always I would say him. <laughs> I know your face your face says it all. This is literally taking me back to when I was probably about nine and I saw him on Nevermind the Buzzcocks. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, who is that? So that's showing our age because I don't no, think they've been... had Nevermind the Buzzcock on for years. <laughs> oh, they actually brought it back recently. Was it... Not that I've seen not that who's, I've seen it since they brought it back, but they have. I have no idea. But I'm talking back like, back to like Mark Lamar days. Yeah, yeah, Mark Lamar days. He was the OG. He was. <laughs> back when Buzzcocks was Although great. Simon Amstel was hilarious. <laughs> he was. 
He was, and he was vegan, so you know I can get Sam that Lance one. Sam vegan. He is. Oh, have you not seen the thing that he did for Channel Four? It's like an alternate history where everyone converts to veganism and actually eating meat is like this thing in history, horrible thing in history that people did. No, and they had to take a trip to an abattoir. Oh, I'll have to find the name of it for you and, and message it to you. It's, it's worth watching, but it is really interesting. Fair enough. I mean, there was and a time when horrible. He just lived on Channel Four, and you couldn't turn Channel Four on without seeing his face. A bit like Maya Jammer at the moment. Everything, she's on everything at the moment. I mean, she's beautiful and lovely and wonderful, but she's on everything at the moment. And we love the fact that she dressed up as Medusa. She did dress up as Medusa for Halloween, and that was very, very cool. We, I, do, I am a bit of a, a Maya Jammer stan. So, just before we go, just out of curiosity... Since it's Christmas, which Christmas song is your favourite? And which Christmas song would you banish to Tartarus for Typhon? Mm, I changed my answer so many times after reading this. I don't think there's one particular Christmas song I hate enough to banish, but possibly the Pussycat Dolls version of Santa Baby. But even then, I'd simply just not listen to it rather than banish it. I'm sure someone thought it was a good idea and no hate to the pussycat dolls because they had some good bops buttons was a tune but this was not one of them oh buttons is such a tune it's just uh, they're trying to make it so sexy and it's just like i don't know i can't get down with christmas being super sexualized and maybe this is more controversial Santa's not very sexy well i don't think so and maybe this is more controversial or maybe not given the current state of things but i'm not a massive fan of baby it's cold outside i don't hate it i just don't understand why people love it i'm not in the whole anti-feminist thing i don't i don't necessarily see it as an anti-feminist song i just don't i just think it's average it's an average song at best and so many artists cover it on the flip side i don't have one overall favorite last christmas is a classic and yesterday i got told this thing about whamageddon where people have to try and not listen to last christmas but i think that's stupid i'll discover that this i year think that's stupid well. because it's a great song i heard it for the first time this year on the 3rd of december and i welcomed it with open arms i think it's a, a fa- that's when you know song. it's christmas yeah it is and i also i've discovered that i love well not discovered because i've always known the song but I really like Elton John's Step Into Christmas. It's such a great, upbeat song, and I just think it's great. And more recently, Ariana Grande's Santa Tell Me always makes me sing along, but it's quite a short song, really, so I guess it's not really long enough to be annoying. What about you? My ultimate, ultimate, ultimate Christmas song is Fairytale of New York. I think it's a classic, and it's it's just brilliant. It always makes me happy. But also, I have a little soft spot for Boney M and Mary's Boy Child because me and my parents have a little joke about loving Boney M because of Bobby, who just dances in the videos and apparently (laughs) wanted more money because literally all he does is dance. So whenever Boney M come on, it's like, oh, yes, love Bobby. So, yeah, we just we have that little in joke. Um, (laughs) Is he a good dancer? I mean, he's okay. It's nothing special, you know, just like, you know, he's, he's living his best life, but... (laughs) <laughs> yeah i wouldn't put him on strictly but he you know he's living his best life in the videos so we'll, we'll give him that if i was going to banish a christmas song to tartarus i would banish the song that the darkness did which i think is called don't let the bells end and mm-hmm. i hate it i hate him i hate them 
and 100% I would oh. banish it to Tartarus. And I think Typhon would like it. <laughs> you know, he could have a rocking Christmas down there and then we'd both be happy. But no, that's that's terrible and the song needs to just disappear. I don't hate it. It doesn't I don't really hear it that much anymore. I haven't heard it for a long time, thank God. Like I would take Last Christmas about fifty times a day over here in that. That's because last one. Christmas is a tune. Um <laughs> I played I did play The Darkness the other day at the one of the Christmas light switch ons that I did. I did play that and everyone seemed to sing along and think it was a great tune, so Well, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> and apparently also I discovered yesterday that George Michael did a second Christmas song. Oh, okay. I can't remember I what it's it. called because it wasn't I mean it was okay. It was a good song, obviously, because it was George Michael, but it was no last Christmas, so we played it and then I played last Christmas. I'm gonna I'm gonna be looking into this um when we when we finish recording. And because I didn't know this other song existed. Mm-hmm. It's it was not from that long before he died, I don't think. It's not gonna be great then, probably. But in terms of banishing things to Tartarus, I would really love to banish the really over the top Christmas jumpers that middle-aged men wear on their work nights out. If the jumper flashes, mm. if it sings, if it has things like <laughs> carrots literally sticking out of the jumper, no, I hate it. And they're worn by men who get drunk and I think should know a bit better. If it's a four-year-old kid, maybe it's cute. But if you're a 45-year-old man, no, you should not be wearing that and you should be banished to Tartarus along with it. I'm, well, I'm sorry, but, have you, you know. Have you seen my Welcome to my jumper. TED Talk on Christmas jumpers. Yes, I have. Have you seen my orange flamingo Christmas jumper? Because that is so yes, disgusting. It's I have. <laughs> and it flashes. Yeah, but if that was like on a 50-year-old man... You can turn the lights on, a, on. No, if that was on a 50-year-old man, I would instantly judge him for it. I think on you it looks a bit cute, but I don't think middle-aged men should be wearing Christmas jumpers. But that's because sorry, you think like, I'm cute. <laughs> this, because no, you this like is, me and you think I'm cute. Someone likes these men and thinks it's cute on them. I don't know. No one does. Even though... Their poor wives are probably like, oh, he's wearing that jumper again. No, this is my TED talk on men in Christmas jumpers. Middle-aged men in Christmas jumpers that sing and flash and do stuff like that. No, should not happen. I'm sorry. End of end of. TED is it talk. okay on grandparents? Is it okay on granddads? I don't even think granddads are cute, to be honest. No. <laughs> Unless it was bought for them by a grandchild, then maybe, maybe. But you're not going to know that. But if not you've gone to the pub, you're not going to know that. If they're wearing it on like the 6th of December <laughs> down the pub at four o'clock in the afternoon, I probably am going to judge them for it. If it's Christmas Day and... <laughs> if you're in the pub at 4pm, why are you not at work? Because... <laughs> Because I can't be bothered. Um, no, because because shift work. It's probably pre pre work. I know. I know. That's no, fine. My, know. my my boss is never going to listen to this. I do not go to work anymore. I once I did that. Once I did that, and it was terrible. So never again. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Follow us on Instagram at demythifying the podcast for more Olympus-based content. And if you're liking what we're doing, please rate us and subscribe. We will see you again in the new year. And please make our Christmas by checking us out wherever you get your podcasts. I've been Charlotte. She's been Lauren. And together we've been demythifying. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.